Welcome back, listeners, and a belated Happy New Year. This is our very first episode of 2021, and I'm excited about it. It's going to be a great season. Thank you for letting us into your home offices, your car rides, your run down the streets and around the track, wherever you may be. Really appreciate you listening. Uh, One question that is top of mind for many of us is surrounding the vaccines, the COVID vaccines. How's it going to play out in the workplace? Can I mandate my employees to get the vaccine? What happens if somebody refuses and so forth? A lot of questions flying around out there regarding the COVID vaccine. And so while the vaccine provides employers and employees alike with the hope of returning to a pre-pandemic world, so back to some degree of normalcy, you know, you can see it doesn't come without a lot of questions and concerns. I had the opportunity to sit down with a great panel of experts from across New England to to dive into this topic during a recent live webinar. So listen back and enjoy our discussion surrounding your vaccine questions. I'm joined today by a panel of experts from around New England with varying backgrounds and experiences as it relates to the pandemic and specifically to the vaccine. My one digital colleague from our Boston Human Resources Consulting Practice, Riley Billion, joins me. Uh, we also have Dave Wilson, who's the founding partner at Hirsch, Roberts, and Weinstein out of Boston. And by the way, Dave just told me he's been pra- practicing law since before there were cell phones. He said that, not me. Um, and I've been, <laughs> and I've been in this business equally as long. Uh, Finally, we're joined by Mag Morelli, president of Leading Age. Uh, uh, Mag heads up the Connecticut chapter of Leading Age, which is an association representing employees working in long-term care facilities. Um, Let's uh, let's jump in, but before we do that, um, I think um, we should probably take a look at Uh, where the various New England states are related to the vaccine, what phase they're in, and and where their focus is uh, today. And what you'll see here is that all six states, really, I'm not going to go through this in detail, but all six states in New England are really in the early phases of the vaccine uh, distribution. So they're all still focused on predominantly two cohorts, which is uh, folks over age 75, and also folks who are working in the in the healthcare uh, industry and first responder industry. So let's get at it. Um, and, and I think probably the single biggest question that we're getting from from clients, from 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 everybody, from, from employers and average citizens alike, is hey, you know, there's a lot at stake here. We want uh, we want life to return to normal as quickly as we can, but can employers require their employees to get the vaccine can employers can there be a mandate so hey dave legal perspective here okay i'm sure you find this interesting too what's your take on this can we can we mandate the vaccine for our employees well jeff great question so the uh the short answer is i went to three years of law school the the answer is it depends um uh, no, actually, the EOC came out on December 16th with some guidelines, and essentially they said, yes, you could mandate it, but with a number of exceptions for things like religious accommodation, disability accommodation, um, and there might be 
uh, one or two others. So, um, but we're not telling our employer clients that they should necessarily mandate it. It also depends on what business you're in, right? If I'm, if I'm, if I employ healthcare workers that are on the front lines, I'm going to be strongly encouraging or maybe mandating that. If I am the head of an accounting firm where everybody's just going to be in their office doing people's taxes for the next three months, you know, maybe I'm not going to mandate it, but I'll, you know, encourage it. So that's my short answer. Right. Okay. So legally, the answer is yes, but, and there, there's always a but, right? You've got to make those reasonable accommodations for people who, for various reasons, you know, can't or, or, or might not want to get that the vaccine. Riley, you know, so yeah, employers can mandate it, but uh, but don't they need to think about employee morale and, and, and does requiring it or mandating it maybe cause a problem there? Yeah, Jackie, you bring up such a really good point, and it's definitely a balancing act with trying to keep everyone as safe as we know possible and within our own means and considering that morale and company culture impact. Before we implement a mandate, I certainly suggest that we play out the various scenarios. Some employees, as Dave mentioned, may have medical or religious accommodation requests and could be exempt from getting that vaccine. But other employees within your organization just may not feel comfortable at this point getting it. If we mandate that vaccine and we have people who are not comfortable with receiving the vaccine, what happens then? How are we going to address that? If we come out and we say a requirement or a mandate, how are our employees going to feel with that? Are we ready for our best and our brightest to potentially resign if they feel so strongly that at that point they don't want the vaccine? As Dave also mentioned, some of the roles within your organization may be deemed necessary to receive that vaccine, while others in the same organization might not. How are we going to handle that? And also, of course, we need to be understanding of the state and local guidelines on the rollout as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, we really don't want to paint ourselves into a corner, I guess, is what you're saying, right? We got to kind of think about the unintended consequences of putting the iron fist on and saying you must have this vaccine to, to come back to work. And uh, I think it's a great point that you've got to be concerned about those, those high performers, high value employees, and how they might react to that. Mag. Uh, Levy, can you talk a little bit about some of your leading age members' experience and, and the decisions that they've made around mandating or not mandating? Sure, happy to. Um, as you know, we represent the providers of aging services, so nursing homes, assisted living communities, home care agencies. And the assisted living and nursing homes were given the first opportunity to hold vaccine clinics within their actual facilities. So we're in a federal program, federal partnership, where Walgreens and CVS is coming right out into the nursing home and into the assisted livings to run the clinics for both residents and staff. So um, there are providers, there are some providers who have mandated it or who have said by a certain date it will be mandated. So um, it's not mandated immediately, but you need to know that by a certain date you're expected to have the vaccine. Most, though, are doing this on a voluntary basis for the staff. One of the main reasons is because we were one of the first ones to have the vaccine. And so there are a lot of questions out there. There was it, was it was a very quick turnaround to have the first vaccine clinic. And people are very sensitive to the employees' concerns and the information they, that they receive or understood about the vaccine. 
most have been made it uh, a voluntary at this point. Uh, you can make it mandatory easily in a, in a nursing home or healthcare facility because your employees actually have access to the vaccine. Not everybody right now has access to the vaccine. And so, um, but um, healthcare providers do, at least in Connecticut, I think across the country have access to the vaccine. Um, and then if, if people aren't taking the vaccine, we have to understand everybody's still being held to the same rules, whether you take the vaccine or not. So everyone is still gonna wear their uh, personal protective equipment, still socially distancing, all of the infection control procedures remain the same. Um, we are seeing as the vaccine rolls out, more and more staff members are willing to take the vaccine. Um, we were a little taken aback that as not as many took it at first, but through education and other efforts, um, more and more uh, staff members are taking the vaccine. But, but employers are very sensitive to the vaccine hesitation issues and are really trying to address that with um, information and, um, and other um, educational uh, material for the employees. Uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting. You, you represent, you know, companies that are in the healthcare, they're healthcare providers, really, right? And and even there, there's not not everybody is mandating. So I think there's something to be learned by that. And I think what also struck me, uh, Mag, is you also sort of referenced that we're we're almost uh, <laughs> jumping the gun here with this conversation, but we're really out in front of this issue because. Keep in mind, the vaccine's not available to, to, to everybody right now. So, uh, you know, kudos to everybody on this webinar to be thinking ahead. What are you going to do when it does become available? Uh, how are you going to answer these questions? Um, I, I, I just kind of wonder, you know, so, you, you know, can, can, you, uh, can you require people in certain roles within an organization and not others? You mentioned, Mag, I think consistency an application of the rules that you have, uh, Dave, maybe you could weigh in on, well, what about, you know, some workers have to get it, but others don't. I think the standard really is if, if uh, for example, you know, a lot of MAGS employees are working with a vulnerable population, the elderly, and if not getting it would be perceived as a, a direct threat to those folks, then you could require it uh, subject to, either or disability accommodation or a religious accommodation. In other words, if somebody says, I don't want to get it because uh, I have a certain disability, then you as the employer are obligated to engage in a dialogue under the ADA with them to see um, if there are other uh, possibilities, other ways around it. But if, I'm, if it's not job related for me, then you know, you have less, uh, as an employer, you have less clout in terms of trying to force me necessarily to do that, especially in light of, you know, some of the other concerns. And, you know, we hear people raise all different kinds of concerns. Um, I heard one recently where people said, well, the, the COVID-19 vaccine was, um, uh, the research on it, they used uh, fetuses uh, or, um you know, it wasn't that they used fetuses, but that some of the research came from the use of fetal tissue. And I was happy to see that actually uh, for Roman Catholics that the Vatican weighed in on that. On um, December uh, 21st, they came out with a statement and basically said that um, when ethically irreproachable COVID-19 vaccines are not available, in other words, ones that didn't use it, it is morally acceptable to receive COVID vaccine, COVID-19 vaccines 
that have used cell lines from aborted fetuses in their research and production process. So essentially what they're saying is, hey, yeah, we'd rather use something that didn't use that research, but that we think it's important that, um, and you shouldn't be using that as a reason not to get the vaccine. And that's what they were basically telling their congregants. Dave, though, when it comes to to sort of specifying certain roles that you want to mandate it and other roles within the organization that you don't, can't, can't, doesn't that open a, a, a bit of a can of worms and, and expose maybe to uh, claims of discriminatory behavior or, you know, unfair treatment? It certainly will be discriminatory, but it won't be illegally discriminatory if you're basing it on the job, uh, if it's job related. So, um, I'm not telling all the men that they have to get it or all the women. I'm just saying everybody who is in this job-related role, um, if you don't get it, it'd be a direct threat to our, uh, you know, uh, uh, the elderly that you, you work with, and therefore we need you to get it. You're right. So you, know, you could say, look, anybody who's client-facing or, or, or patient-facing or in some way engaging with the public uh, has, to, has to get it if you wanted to. Um, but, you know, if you're not, if you're behind the scenes and not engaging directly with anybody, if you're working from home, you don't have to get it. You, you can do that. Yeah, well, and especially the working from home, I don't think you could require folks that are working from home um, right now to do that. If, but you could say as a condition of you returning to work at some point, you would have, you would have to get it. Again, it's really going to be a job-related yeah. individual assessment each time. Well, that, you know, it's interesting that raises another question in my mind, which is, what about non-employees? So, so vendors or clients, customers, um, can a business require anybody who's going to come into my establishment or do business with me be vaccinated? Yeah, and I turn that around to you, Mag. Would you want vendors coming into your area after everybody, you know, with a vulnerable population and not have them be vaccinated? That's a really good question. I think that's something that we have to look at in the future as the vaccine becomes uh, distributed more widely. But I do know that they've been very generous from the perspective of being able to participate in the uh, partnership and be able to get vaccinated. If you're a regular vendor at a nursing home, right now you're required to be tested. And so you could also have been vaccinated. So I think many might be taking that opportunity to receive their vaccination. We haven't seen much hesitancy in that area. Yeah, that's great. And I, I think legally, uh, Jeff, to answer your question, legally, sure. I think um, you could mandate, you know, again, you sort of have to accommodate. So if you're coming to my building to deliver things, instead of allowing you to come in, you're going to have to leave them on the loading dock where somebody will meet you, that type of thing. But you certainly could re uh, prevent them from entering the building. You know, what's interesting in, the, in, the, in our setting is that there are already uh, precautions put in place for anyone coming into the building. So um, we'll see where the vaccination will come into play. We'd really like to see it expanded. You know, when we talk, even talk about visitors coming into the building, having the opportunity for others to have the vaccine would be would be interacting at the at the workplace. And we're not going to focus entirely on the, the legal implications. Don't worry, folks. This, this uh, you know, we'll we'll move on. But I do want to, Dave, address kind of like confidentiality issues, right? So if you're if you're whether or not you mandate, you know, can you disclose who's gotten the vaccine and who's not? It, it, it raises this other question about 
confidentiality and violation of HIPAA and other and other laws where you know people's personal health is protected information, right? Yeah, no, great question, and and I think there's there's a little bit of nuance here. So first, employers can require employees to provide proof of vaccination. Uh, so so you definitely can do that. But here's where it gets tricky. Um, you you come and you say, Dave, did you get your vaccine? And I say, no. And then you say, why not? Uh-oh. All of a sudden, you've fallen into an area uh, that is really um, private, could be private medical. It, it, so that now you're asking me to reveal something that um, might be related to a genetic defect I have, or you don't know about my health situation and why I'm not going to do it, right? So that's where mm -hmm. um, the EEOC has advised that simply requesting proof of receipt of the vaccination is not a problem, but it's important that employers um, don't don't start to start going beyond that because that's where they can get themselves um, into trouble. And that you know questions that start to elicit information about a disability would be subject again to the ADA. And is it job related and consistent with business necessity to go to go beyond that? So, Dave, yeah. in that situation, the employer goes to you and says, Dave, you didn't get your vaccine. Instead of asking the question, why, should the employer instead say, great, it sounds like you're requesting an exemption or something of that nature. Here's the form that you need to fill out, fill out or have your doctor fill out. Right, right. So um, or it at least requires you to enter into a dialogue with them under the ADA. Um, you know, is there a reasonable accommodation we can provide uh, for you to still do your job, right? Um, so, but but starting to ask questions about why and and delving into uh, that area, um, you know, could get you into trouble. And and so it's hard because as a practical matter, um, that's really the next question you want to ask. What do you mean you didn't get the vaccination? Why didn't you? Well, instead, maybe you're saying, well. Understanding if you haven't been able to get the vaccination, you know, and you work with your client facing or you work with a vulnerable population, you know, we're going to have to move you to a different position right now. That might be the reasonable accommodation that, that you're going to give. Yeah. And I see a few questions coming in in the Q&A as well. How do we confirm that reasonable accommodation? I think one of the resources that we are providing as well as, you know, forms that you can actually engage in that interactive dialogue uh, with, with your employees on as well. But I think about, I mean, the bottom line is this, right? We can't, you know, it seems like if you decide to mandate, you've got to be real careful about what you're disclosing, the questions that you're asking, and it's only you start pulling this string of, of you know, of dangerous issues that you might run into uh, with with a mandate. And I'm not suggesting that we're saying don't mandate. It might make sense for you to do that for your business, but it, it just raises a lot of considerations. You certainly don't want to, you know, post a roster on the wall. <laughs> that says, okay, you know, here's the people who've been vaccinated in here who who who, who hasn't, uh, because then all those questions start flying around the office or the workplace, like, oh, you know, why didn't Jeff get the vaccine? You know, and uh, and people don't want their personal health information being discussed, uh, generally speaking, at at work, right? Hey, Mag, do you, do you you know do you have do any of your members have experience with people who have 
refused to get this. So I know some of your member groups have mandated, not all, but some. And do you know, are there examples of folks who have said, nope, not going to do it, even though they don't have a valid, you know, excuse that they're just, nope, I don't want it. I'm afraid of it. Not going to do it. And then how, how, how is that being handled out there? The ones that are mandating that they have said, you know, your job will be it will be a requirement of your job. So most of the there aren't that many that have mandated it yet, and those that have, they've given them a timeline. So they're t- telling them by a certain time you need to to um, be vaccinated. And then they're also, as new employees are being uh, applying for jobs, they're telling them, well, one of the requirements will be that you receive the vaccination, and that seems to be filtering up. Some people are just choosing not to apply. Um, but on the other, and the other group, those that are hesitant um, to just receive the vaccine on a voluntary basis, people are finding that education is really the thing that's working the best uh, because people have misunderstanding about what the vaccine is. Um, they don't have as much information possibly as the employer does. Now, for those of you who are thinking of doing a vaccination clinic, those that are coming in to vaccinate will bring a lot of information for the employees. And they'll be able to, they'll hand it right to them, they'll have it with them, so they'll understand side effects, what's in the vaccine, all of that information. But prior to that, there's some other really good resources, you know, on the CDC website, um, the state of Connecticut's website. The government is offering a lot of information for people because it's in everybody's interest to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And people are finding on these one-on-one discussions, small group meetings with employees, when they're bringing in someone like the medical director or the director of nursing, they're able to answer these very simple questions for people that resolve the the question they had in their mind, and then they're willing to take the vaccine. You know, there is no live virus in the vaccine. Not everybody knows that, but that's a real concern for some people. When they learn that there is no live virus in the vaccine, that alleviates their concern, and they're willing to take the, the shot. So, People are finding that this education, uh, using the simple tools that are available to them on the web, um, a video, there's some great videos on the web, too, that will help explain it to employers, I mean, to employees, um, and it's just been very, very helpful. Yeah, so would you recommend actually proactively distributing some of those resources, those educational resources and links to the CDC website and so forth uh, be- before the vaccine even gets readily. There's a lot of misinformation out there, right? I mean, so maybe we should get out ahead of it. Absolutely. Get out ahead of it. Get the correct information out there. Um, peers, you know, people that have received the vaccine, maybe have discussed it with their physician, um, have are willing to accept it. Having peers talk to peers is very helpful. And then celebrating the vaccine. That's where, you know, because we're having these vaccination clinics right in the building, they're making vaccination day a celebration. And, and celebrating the people that are getting vaccinated rather than, you know, shaming the people that aren't. Just really building up the fact that someone's getting the vaccination, um, the residents, the residents, uh, the independent living residents, the residents of the nursing homes are thrilled to get the vaccine. The acceptance rate is, you know, 95%. Um, and they're encouraging of the staff also. So it's making it a, making it more of a positive than a negative. And that seems to be working. I couldn't agree more, Mag, with that. Um... And it's interesting, the, the, the COVID vaccine, remember, is um, a lot more effective than any of the annual flu vaccines. Um, the, 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 uh, the study they did, there were 32,000 people that were in the trial, and only one of them got COVID after having the vaccine, which is you know, an incredible number when you look at that statistically. 
And, uh, you know, a normal flu vaccine is sometimes, you know, somewhere between 50 and 70 percent effective. And so this this is, you know, 94 percent effective. And I and I, I think, Jeff, your point, too, is educating people about it and and the power of it. I'm I'm really excited. My my kids have all four grandparents still alive and they're all scheduled to get their vaccines on Monday. And I, I can't wait for them to get them. And to, and to Mag, to your point on on leadership, if you're a company that's going to require everybody to get it, then hey, the leadership in that company they should be stepping up right in line first and saying, hey, here I'm going to do it first, right? Because some people are a little nervous about it, or or they had a bad reaction to a flu shot sometime in their life, or they heard of somebody that had a bad reaction, and so you know, leading in this situation is important. So here's some interesting questions that, that I've been hearing out there. Um, one of them is, hey, you know, do we have to um, pay employees for their time to get the vaccine if they get the vaccine during working hours? Or could we ask them to use sick time or PTO? Riley, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So if we are requiring the vaccine, then yes, we should be paying employees for their time to get that vaccine 100%. That's not a question. Now, if we are encouraging the vaccine, this is a really good tool for us to incentivize employees to get it, right? We can we can offer that we will pay employees to go get the vaccine. We'll give you a day off, an extra day in your bank. We'll give you some, um, the, the time it takes for you to go get the vaccine, we will pay you for it. That is such a good tool and strategy that we can use to, again, incentivize our employees. Yeah, I mean, especially if we're not going to mandate it. Uh, I think there's, so you don't have to mandate it, but you can incentivize. It's a great transition, <laughs> Riley. Matt, what, what about the leading age members? Uh, have they have they been doing some incentivizing or are they planning on it? I guess we're still early, but, you know, is that the plan? Well, most of the most of the nursing homes and assisted living has already gone through at least two clinics, um, so people have gotten their second dose already, which is great. Um, and many of them have provided some incentives, either additional paid time off, gift cards, uh, like I said, celebration of parties. It's kind of hard, you know. You can't take your mask off to eat or anything, so it can't be a real party. But um, you know, incentives. Some have provided additional pay. Most are providing are paying for the time because people have to come in on a certain day. If they're not working, if they're on shift, they're just coming down to get the vaccine. If it's not their shift, they have to come into the building um, on their day off or on their on their off shift to be able to get the vaccine. And so most are paying them to do that, to come in. So it, it, it happens very quickly. You come in, it's very organized, um, but you do have to wait for 15 minutes an observation after the vaccine. So it's, you know, it can be a full hour to, to come in, get the vaccine, wait for your observation and leave. Um, so all of those, so people are offering all of incentives. Um, just trying to find out what will work to get the most people vaccinated. But the day after the vaccine, some people have mild side effects, and we have found them to be very mild. And people have done things to help people the next day when they come into work. Thank you for coming into work. You know, here's a little, you know, refreshment stand up for those of you who may be feeling a little under the weather or whatever from the vaccine. So really acknowledging every every phase of the vaccination process. Oh, okay. Well, Dave, I was going to ask you, actually, do you have any concerns from a legal standpoint about incentives? I know there are some employers that uh, have incentives for people to get their annual flu vaccine. So it seems like this is a pretty decent strategy to take. Yeah, I've always been a fan of carrot versus the stick. 
and I and I mm-hmm. uh, I love uh, the idea. And, and it's interesting, you know, especially companies that are paying employees uh, closer to the minimum wage, to have them have to take time off from work to drive somewhere to get the vaccine and and miss that time. So I've loved it, like Dollar General and Trader Joe's, they've stepped up and they are incentivizing. Dollar General's paying, if you get a vaccine, they'll pay you for four extra hours. So, and they're, you know, their employees are at $15 an hour. So $60 they're coming out of their pocket with to encourage people to get that. And they've got 157,000 employees. So um, now some of them are exempt, but still, even if 100,000 of them are, our hourly employees, that's that's a lot of money they're stepping up to. But when you think of the alternative, if they have all the people vaccinated and they're not going to be out because they have COVID, um, you know, that they probably uh, probably figured out that that makes a lot of sense. But I'm always a big fan of carrot over the stick. But hopefully they just don't become two dollar general uh, after this. <laughs> let, let, let's switch to communication and you know riley um why don't we start with you on this what what are kind of some best practices for a communication plan with employees especially in this remote environment that many of us are in yeah i think mag's already hit on a lot of it but it's start communicating as early as possible and really start with the why we want to be inspiring our employees where even if we're mandating them we still want to be encouraging through inspiration and leading by our own actions we want to get that message out to employees about not only what we're offering or what we're requiring but the why and through different streams whether it be a quick 30 second video message to our teams via email, in person, of course, socially distant as much as possible as we need to. We want to be sure that our communications address the who, what, where, when, how, and again, going back to the why. Will I be paid for it? What happens if I have side effects? Who can I go to for questions? If I have concerns or I need to request an exemption, we need to be really clear and articulate about who employees can go to. It's also okay for us to communicate at this point that there are some unanswerable questions. In Massachusetts, a lot of our clients and employers fall into that phase two category, and we're chomping at the bit for information from the MassGov about what that looks like like? When will employers know? We don't have those answers yet, but here's what we do have answers to. And leading with that with our employees will let them feel a little bit more reassured that we're thinking through this strategy and we'll get them the information as soon as we have it. Yeah, and that you're being honest, which is, I mean, everything's got to be based on that, right? Mag, Mag, do you kind of anything you want to add to that? Do you, do you agree with everything Riley just said regarding communication? Absolutely. I think she hit it right on the mark. And, you know, no concern should be taken lightly because it, what's interesting is many of the leaders um, of these organizations understand the vaccine. They've been studying it. They've been waiting for it. Don't underestimate um, the power of other channels of communication, what people might be hearing on social media, what they might be hearing from the from the talk shows that they're listening to or the TV shows that they're watching um, or from their friends. And so any concern that comes forward, you should not treat it lightly and you should address it um, immediately with the facts and, and with the information that we know. Um, that's, the, I, that's the best way we think to communicate. 
Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to, you know, be demeaning here and, and shame anybody for asking. No, no such thing as a stupid question when it comes to this, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's very confusing. I mean, you see how it was when they opened. You know, I know in Connecticut when they opened up the vaccinations, it was confusing just to just to schedule your vaccine vaccine uh, for the general public. So people are confused, and they and so uh, for those of us, for those you know, employers who understand it, who understand what the vaccine is going to do and what the process is going to be, to be simple communications and taking everybody's concerns seriously. So let's just kind of maybe sort of, uh, and we're going to get to some questions in a minute. Uh, I know there have been a lot of questions coming in, and, and we'll address those, uh, some of those uh, as time allows. But, Riley, why don't we kind of just talk about um, uh, best practices going forward? So, in other words, what now? What are the next steps for employers? Yeah, I think the first and foremost is we need to take a step back, digest all of this information that we're talking about and researching on, and assess what our workforce really needs to do going forward. Do we want to encourage or mandate the vaccine? Where's the business necessity if we do mandate it? What's the impact or potential fallout if we do mandate it? And if even if we're mandating it or if we're encouraging it, what can we do to inspire and incentivize our team? As Dave said, carrot not stick here, carrot not stick, and then communicate. How then can we blast this out to our team members? If we haven't started to communicate, I can imagine that your employees might already have that question mark in their head of how is my employer going to handle this? So let's try to proactively get in front of that and, and answer those uh, who, what, where, when, and why questions for them as much as we have the answers. And, and people are, the other advice I would give is, you know, don't hesitate, don't wait. Um, we talked about the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, we're in the early phases still, and a lot of people, most people still don't have access to the vaccine, but we can start this communication process today. Um, listen, I think we should probably get to some questions because there are a number of them, and they're great questions. Uh, and one that jumped out at me, and I was thinking about this myself, is so uh, if, a, if an employer mandates the vaccine, and if you have to have this in order to return to work, but then they happen to be, they actually are one of those rare cases where they have a negative reaction to it. Dave, I guess this is for you. Does that expose you as an employer to any kind of liability? Um, potentially, I mean, the, it's, it, it wasn't your vaccine. You didn't create it. Um, uh, but the argument w would have to be, but for you requiring me to do it, I would, I would not have gotten the vaccine. So that would have been one of the things they would sort of have to show. Um, it certainly maybe would give you a little more liability than if you made it voluntary, if you made it voluntary and I went and got it and then I had a reaction, it's hard to see how you as the employer are liable in that situation. But, um, but I'm still, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those cases, we often talk about which case would you rather defend? I think I'd rather defend that case than the case where uh, the person had direct contact with vulnerable populations. We didn't require them to get the vaccine and they, got COVID, gave it to somebody, and that person died. I'd rather not be the employer of that employee uh, who was the spreader that killed that person. So I'd rather be in a position where we required them to get it because they, because under the law, 
they were uh, working with a vulnerable population and they would be a direct threat if they didn't. And, and then they had that reaction. Yeah, and then and then you kind of play this out, right? Then you could say people could so you could say, oh geez, I got the vaccine because you made me get it, and then I and then I had a bad reaction. But then someone could also say, well, you put me, you sent me back to work, and I didn't get the vaccine, and then I got COVID. And so, I mean, the people, there's some people who are just going to find a reason to to go to to try to take their employer to court, right? I mean, I, I don't think we we should be too tiptoe around this too lightly. No, you're right. That's why I'm not going to be in the unemployment line anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, here I am playing lawyer, right? I, I, I uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there are people who are going to find some way or another to to complain about it. But we can't solve for the margins. We really need to get people. We need herd immunity. We need people back to work, back to their back to their regular lives. Um, and also, you know, someone could say, Dave. Even if it's not mandated, they could say, even if it's an incentive, they could say, well, I wouldn't have gotten it if you had not given me the incentive to get it. So uh, I, I don't think, you know, we, we don't want to be too paranoid. No, no, true. And, and actually, it, uh, I, the questions that I thought are really difficult that somebody asked was, well, what about if we, I'm giving you guys the four-hour incentive? And you come to me and say, hey, I have a disability. I can't go get that. But I still want the four hours of pay. Right. Where does that leave you as the employer? Right. And so, (laughs) you know, some some employers and this goes back to sort of the wellness program sometimes, too, with the with the smoking cessation thing where you get one hundred and fifty dollars off or you get something off. Um, I think it's a little trickier than that in this situation, because um, being addicted to smoking isn't hasn't been dis- declared to be a disability. But if I have a disability, and I want, and I'm saying, but you're denying me an incentive because of my disability, I think that's a little tougher situation for an employer. Now the employer can take the position: Look, I- I'm sorry that you have a disability, but we're giving we're giving the incentive to people who go get the vaccine, right? And and. Yeah. and um, and again, um, I, I don't think employers should be discouraged from 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 giving an incentive. Now, if you only have two people in your whole company that come back out of a, out of a hundred that say I can't do it because of a disability, I might say, well, after everybody's gotten the vaccine, maybe you pay them for the four hours, and and you don't worry about that. But you know, if half your if the word gets out and half your people come in and say. Oh, I, I I'm not getting the vaccine because I have a disability. Um, you know, then you're you're looking at a different situation. Right. I'm glad Dave you brought up the the the, the uh, this in the context of a wellness program. That is one of the questions that that's come in is can in, can an employer include getting the vaccine as part of a wellness requirement. So, you know, can they, they might have a, a premium contribution differential for people who, uh, who do certain wellness activities. Can you make the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, part of that? Well, I think so. It's just another form of an incentive. And if you believe that is good for your health and wellness and it fits in with your policy, I think you could do it, sure. Yeah. Because a lot of them do it with, they make a flu vaccine a part of their wellness requirement. I know that. Can can an employer actually waive liability? Can can an employer say, hey, you know what? Look, we're we're 
we're mandating or incentivizing or encouraging you to get vaccines, but we waive all liability if you, in fact, have some negative reaction to this. Um, you can always try, but, uh, you know, in most states, um, waiving a liability for something that's going to happen in the future, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to do. Um, you know, that falls under sort of assumption of the risk, like if you're going to go skiing and, you know, they make you sign all these waivers, but they're in this situation, the waiver could help a little bit, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be going to the bank on it that the waiver is going to give you absolute liability. I wouldn't count on that. Right. And I yeah. also want to add on too, from an employee perspective, if my employer is asking me to sign a waiver of liability, does that invoke trust in this process that I'm about to go through? If I need to waive something, I, I might then second guess it. So just another consideration to play out. Yeah, great, great point, Riley. Thank you. Here's another question, guys. Is it okay to assign uh, unvaccinated employees to a different role or keep them separate from the other employees? Um, so can you say, all right, well, you know, you're, you're refusing to get the vaccine or you didn't get the vaccine, and therefore we're not going to, we're going to reassign you to do something different than what you were doing previously? I mean, you definitely could do that to keep them away from, uh, say, patient, direct patient care. But if you have someone who is, that is their role to provide direct patient care, it would be, it would be difficult to do, you know, to reassign them. So um, you'd have to look at each individual workplace, you know, um, differently to see, see who's going to take it and who's not. Um, one of the advantages to the long-term care um, setting is that the residents are getting vaccinated. So they're being they're protecting themselves as well as the staff. Everyone's still wearing PPE. So all of these questions are still being um, filtered out by the CDC and others, uh, the other infection control uh, experts. But that's in the healthcare field. It's not it's not the store. It's not somewhere else where other consumers are coming in and you don't know if they're vaccinated or not. It's a little bit different setting. Yeah. And then we're back. Then we're back to the question of you know uh, uh, do, do you do you mandate people uh, to disclose whether or not they've gotten the vaccine? But we don't want to open that can of worms again. This is this is a uh, another question that's come in. Who pays for the vaccine? Uh, I, I'll kind of weigh in on that. I know that the federal government is picking up the tab for the the vaccine itself, the administration of the vaccine. Uh, would be paid by uh, the health insurance company um, or the insurance plan. So that's the way that's the way that's working. Um, here's another question: Once vaccinated, uh, what can uh, what can or should be required for employees regarding wearing masks? I think Mag, you might have touched upon this already. And maybe you could expand on this a little bit. So, all right, yeah, vaccinated. Does that mean I don't have to wear a mask anymore or social distance or what or so forth? Yeah, you, they have not re, they've not removed any of the requirements of social distancing, masking, infection control. Um, I'm not an epidemiologist, but it's been explained to me that the vaccine will um, provide you with your body has the antibodies now that they will fight off the infection so you may re the infection may get into your body because you can't you don't you're not like in a bubble right so you might get the uh, the germ the virus in you and then your body fights it off so you don't get infected but you might spread that germ while you are to someone else so they're not sure if the vaccine 
will prevent you from actually spreading the virus, even though you yourself will not be infected. That's why they're making, requiring, still requiring masking, still requiring social distancing. They're studying all of this. Um, we have to look to the CDC and others to give us, you know, future information on what we need to do. But right now, even when you're vaccinated, you need to continue to wear a mask so as not to infect others. Um, plus, it's 95% effective, which is extremely effective, but it's still 95, so there's a 5% chance you could get it. Um, and social distance washing hands. And then, of course, the healthcare setting, all the other infection control procedures that we're, that we're currently um, involved with. It's funny. I read an interesting article about they said that it's the behavioral scientists who have told the epidemiologists, even after people have had the vaccine, even if we think it's 95%, that we don't want them to stop wearing masks because then other people will also, who haven't been vaccinated, will stop wearing masks. So that that's also one of the concerns um, right now. Um, there was a, there, I saw one of the unanswered questions was, couldn't um, requiring people to wear PPE be a reasonable accommodation uh, if they didn't get vaccinated. And uh, in the old days, and when I say that, I mean last year, um, when people, trade-off was if you weren't going to get the flu, the flu was required. If you weren't going to get it, then you needed to wear a mask on our premises all the time, right? That, that used to be, well, now everybody's wearing masks, so it doesn't seem like so much of a penalty. Um, but I think um, if somebody refused to get the um, to get the vaccine either for religious or disability reasons, requiring them to wear PPE could be seen as a reasonable accommodation, um, and maybe maybe you're requiring them to double mask, wear a double mask and a visor or something more than maybe you're requiring of those that had gotten the vaccine. I don't know, Mag, have you come across that? Well, because we're already requiring the use of PPE, but that's that is kind of the quandary in the past. If you, if you did in a, in a nursing home, say, if you didn't take the flu vaccine, you'd have to wear a mask. Well, now everybody's wearing a mask. So we'll just be continuing to wear the mask. I assume potentially if there's a time where they are relaxing some of the PPE requirements and infection control, then you would still be required to have the full, full uh, masking and PPE, but we'll have to see in the future. It's also, it's not just to protect others, but it's to protect yourself. You know, the mask is protecting you. The mask and the shield is protecting you as you're protecting others. So, um, right. So I don't, I don't, you know, it's, it's, um, it's difficult to deal with. It, I mean, it's hard to delineate between who got the vaccine and who didn't as far as the PPE requirements right now. Everyone's requirements are the same. Dave, we got a question, which is very simply can you terminate an employee if you mandate? the vaccine and somebody refuses and they don't have a religious or disability uh, accommodation, a legitimate reason to not get it, um, and, and so they don't get it, can, can you terminate that employee? I mean, yeah, you could. And that's why if you're going to make your policy mandatory, you better be prepared to know that some of your best people may decide, hey, I don't want to do it. And then you're ending their employment. But again, the way you're going to phrase it, not is that you're going to be terminated, but here's your choice. Your choice is to get the vaccine and keep coming to work. And if you choose not to get the vaccine, then you can no longer come to work. But that's going to be your choice. You're going to choose to not work here anymore or not. If, 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 we're, if an employer is not mandating, they're not mandating, but they're encouraging people and, and someone does not get the vaccine, can the employer ask 
an employee to sign a document that, that's saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm declining. Uh, you know, I, I have waived my, uh, my right, I guess, or I'm just declining. I am not getting the vaccine. Yeah, well, and we have uh, drafted for our, some of our clients forms for I'm not getting it for because of religious reasons or I'm not getting it for disability reasons. Um, but if somebody is just not getting it because they don't want to, um, you know, we could have them say that, but, but we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't, um, you know, that wouldn't be a valid reason for declining really. I mean, I guess if we're just strongly yeah. encouraging. The question is what about employees not on a company's medical insurance plan? How are those vaccine costs reimbursed? Uh, and, uh, I'm going to say I believe that there are some free vaccine clinics out there for people to go to, and and uh, and maybe Mag, you have another recommendation. I would probably go to your state's uh, your state's health department website and look for resources and and uh, availability of, of free vaccine clinics. So Riley or Mag, do you have any other thoughts around that? I agree with you, Jeff. I think there's a lot, at least from what I've seen from the MassGov website, about putting that information right out there, even saying, you know, if you don't or if you're not insured, here's how you can still get the vaccine. Um, so we want to make it as readily available as possible. And we can certainly address that even in our own employer communications as well. So make if your workforce is a population that might be falling into that situation, let's make sure we get them the information so they feel comfortable. Yeah, and hopefully if they're not taking your company's uh, health insurance, they're on a spouse's or they're on uh, yeah. Medicare or Medicaid or some other, I mean, they got an individual policy on the exchange. So hopefully they've got some insurance. And with that, we're gonna close this out. Big thank you to Riley, Dave, and Mag for their participation on this panel. All the materials referenced during our discussion can be found in the description of this podcast, so it's there for you to, to reference. Uh, these have really been, as we all know, they've been challenging times, but you know what? There is light at the end of the tunnel. And you know, you, please know, the One Digital team, we're here to support you. We're here to help. We're here to give uh, guidance and support and to really just help you navigate through this, uh, through the end of this pandemic, we're gonna be optimistic, as well as any other benefit and HR issues you might have. So don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for tuning in. This has been another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits.